0: And Welcome to Filled with His Love. Last year, I wrote a book about my pioneer ancestors entitled Forgotten Saints, A Pioneer Story of Those Who Lived and Died Without a Trace. Since July 24th is the very day that we celebrate the arrival of the pioneers in Utah, I thought I'd share the preface and the epilogue, kind of the first and the last parts of this book with you. It just takes about five minutes each. If you're interested in reading the whole book, it's now available on Amazon in Kindle and audiobook formats or from Cedar Fort in paperback. And just so you know, I donate all royalties from any of my books to the Lighthouse Sanctuary, a shelter in the Philippines for young women who've suffered because of sexual abuse. So, I hope you enjoy the preface and the epilogue to Forgotten Saints. Preface. No one wants to be forgotten, but so many people leave no written record of who they were, what made them sad or brought them joy, how they spent their days or what they dreamed of doing if only they had lived longer. Of the more than 100 billion souls who have peopled the earth, the vast majority left almost nothing behind when they died. Those who trace their ancestors and enter the data on FamilySearch find that those before the 1700s seldom have more than a birth date, death date, and marriage records. Going back even further, one often has difficulty identifying any records at all. On the memory section of FamilySearch, early ancestors seldom have any entries at all. The message on the screen typically says, quote, add a memory. This book is my way of adding a memory for some of my ancestors who left nothing behind. We know they lived, but they died early deaths. And because they died on the plains, there is no death certificate, no gravestone, no description of who they were and how they lived their lives. So I did my best to discover what we did know about them and then... I imagined the rest. My imaginings grew out of what I knew about their posterity, those I knew as a child and youth. When I had finished writing the book, a friend mentioned that he had seen a stone monument at This Is The Place Park in Salt Lake City, honoring the children who died on the plains. I wanted to see if my ancestors who died as children were named on that monument. For some reason, I had the forethought that they would not be included so my wife and I went to see for ourselves. As I had expected, their names were not included, but I was intrigued by the inscription on the introductory stone. Pioneer Children's Memorial. From 1847 to 1869, over 300 companies of immigrants, refugees, and travelers of all ages, trekked over 1,100 miles across the vast American plains to the Salt Lake Valley. Included among these courageous pioneers were children who faithfully followed their families, despite the uncertainty of their futures. This memorial stands as a tribute to those brave pioneer children, ages 0 to 17, who died on their journey, including others whose names have been lost or remain Unknown. The final words on the stone captured my attention, quote, including others whose names have been lost or remain unknown. End quote. Even though there was little known about the children whose names appeared, at least their names were engraved on the stone. But my ancestors, who died as children in 1850, did not appear on the memorial. They had been lost unknown, and forgotten. So this book is one way of remembering such children and many others of the nearly 2,000 saints who died while crossing the plains. It is a story about relationships, the attachments we make in mortality that endure beyond the grave, because it is our relationships that define who we really are, our relationships with God and with each other. The story recounts how two pioneer families listened to missionaries, joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and made the long trek to Utah. The Daniel and Sarah Russell family lived in Akron, New York, a small town east of Buffalo. They had three children, Lois, Lester, and Isaac. The Harriet and Jason Stillman family were living in Colebrook, Connecticut, a town west of Hartford. They also had three children, Lucia, Francis Maria, and Charles. The two families joined the church around the same time, but then Daniel's wife Sarah and Harriet's husband Jason died. Following the recommendation of the missionaries, Daniel visited Harriet and they decided to marry. They then had six children in their blended family. When the prophet Joseph invited newly baptized members to come to Nauvoo. Daniel and Harriet eagerly accepted the invitation. Daniel's son, Lester, married Jane Anderson in Nauvoo, and they had three children. The family lived in Nauvoo for nearly four years before traveling west with thousands of saints who had been forced to flee the city and temple they cherished. Their oldest child, Voloran, nicknamed Dinny, Tells their story. Denny was six years old when he arrived in Utah with his Grandpa Daniel and Harriet, Denny's step grandmother. Although most of the characters in the story are real and the historical events are accurate, little is known about their lives. Many of the details in the story are fictional. Epilogue I have been writing for decades, but this book was different. In unique and surprising ways. In the past, while writing about my research or my faith, I focused on one primary goal accuracy. If the piece I was writing required statistical analyses, I entered the correct numbers, ran the appropriate tests, and tried to communicate the results with clarity. I was always attempting to convey my findings in a convincing way. If I was writing about my faith, I wanted to cite the most appropriate verse of scripture or prophetic quotation to support the point I was trying to make. While writing this book, I had to create most of the, quote, data from scratch, because I was writing about my ancestors who left us minimal information about their lives. I could identify a person's birth date and death date, but often found little else. I might have discovered where they lived, who they married, and the names of their children, but I could find little about who they were. How did they spend their days, develop their talents, find a spouse, and rear their children? I found no journals, no diaries, almost nothing that some of my ancestors wrote helped me get to know them. So I decided to do something I've never done before. I imagined their traits and characteristics, and tried to portray those imaginings in story form, the kind of story I believed they might have written if they had created their own personal histories. I strive to stay true to the facts that I knew about these ancestors and about the historical events that surrounded them, but I let my imagination go as I described them as individuals. For some reason, one ancestor was particularly intriguing to me, Lester Russell. He died young, and so we know almost nothing about him and his wife Jane. I think the reason I wrote this book was to try to see inside them, to come to know them, even though they left nothing written, and no one else wrote anything about them. As I wrote the book, I was surprised at times to feel that the story seemed to write itself. It was as if the ancestors I was writing about had a stake in the book, and they wanted me to get it right. That does not mean that I fulfilled their wish, because I am quite certain that no brief account could ever yield an adequate description of another human being. Words can never fully convey the soul of another person. The more I tried to understand the characters in this book, the more real they became to me. I sometimes felt them nudging me on, encouraging me, and at times correcting me. While writing, I learned that the most effective way to see inside a person is to understand how that person relates to others and to God. That is why most of the book focuses on relationships, both human and divine. As I imagined how a husband related to his wife, I could see more clearly into each one of them. While describing the relationship between a parent and a child, I learned about each one in ways that I could not have known without defining the nature of their attachment to each other. Imagining these early saints, their struggles and their successes, drew me closer to them and to God. I feel more indebted to them than I did before writing about them. Their faith, their love for each other and for the Lord will continue to strengthen me even though I never knew any of them in this life.